minus three. With Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. If you haven't heard, the Rams are Super Bowl champions. Matt Stafford may or may not be going to the Hall of Fame. In the meantime, the residents of Mount Pius, in this case, I think are are quite correct in being a little cross with the Super Bowl hero. Did you see the video of the woman, the photographer, falling off the stage? He barely batted an eye. Let him eat cake indeed. Um... Let's get into that. Let's get into what awaits us now as we enter into the desert without football. Fear not. There is the round orange ball. There's the puck. And beyond for us to keep, it's about, I don't know about baseball. Let's talk about all of it, though, with the guy behind the glass, Eddie Spaghetti, there. And I don't know what he has to say about the Super Bowl. I guess we'll find out right now. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Well, you know, you're right. Obviously, we're heading into the desert. Uh, Super Bowl, always bittersweet because it means the abyss beckons. And, uh, and, you know, I got to say this year, it's just compounded by the prospect of looking forward to September 2022 and and trying to think about how we are going to get through a football season without Michelle Tafoya. I mean, how are we going to do it, guys? How are we going to do it? Like, are we going to have support groups? Like, should we set up a phone tree? Does everyone need a sponsor for how they're going to pro- – I mean, I know, like me, you guys have just been thinking through your top 10 greatest Michelle Tafoya moments, like thinking about all she's added to the broadcasts over the years. So funny, the analysis, the insight, just incredible. Wow, we're really going to miss Michelle Tafoya. I mean, it's so fucking <laughs> insane that this woman – who's been paid millions of dollars to do nothing, to do zero, to not add a molecule, an infinitesimal like cell level. What is your addition to the product? What have you provided? Zero, nothing. No one can cite a sentence that you have said out loud that contributed to the broadcast. By the way, I mean, you have no insight. You'd have no analysis. All you can ever say is, uh, Tyler Higby unlikely to return with a knee injury. Uh, like, let me guess, Crumry, Tim Crumry, unlikely to return. Yeah, we know he's not returning. And and all the information, <laughs> all the fucking information you provide with your crackerjack reporting could just be a Chiron across the bottom of the screen. Tyler Higby not returning to the game while we watch Golden Retrievers dive into a swimming pool. I mean, what? I don't know. What is your job? What would you, if someone said, now Michelle Tavoya is going out to set the world straight. She doesn't want people who don't deserve it. <laughs> she wants to make sure people who don't deserve it don't, uh, don't get affirmative action. This, I mean, Jack Collinsworth knows better than to do an anti-nepotism barnstorming tour. I mean, what the fuck is Michelle Tafoya doing? Anyway, congratulations <laughs> on your millions of dollars for doing nothing, for providing zero. I mean, oh, my God, pause the TV. Al just threw to Michelle. Al's throwing to Michelle. I'm making a sandwich. I hold on. I got to hear I got to hear these insights. I mean, fucking zero. And, and now she's going to go save the world. Uh, with her anti-affirmative action, which is so great for somebody. I mean, it it is, she's insane. It's insane that she's that she's leaving the cash cow of get paid for doing nothing. Um, you know, 
and now arguing against the non-existent. And by the way, ironic that she traded, you know, ostensibly her entire gig was about passing along information. And her first move is to mute any attempt to distribute certain types of information. I mean, have you ever, like, you actors do sizzle reels where they give you, like, two minutes of their greatest hits. These are my two minutes, my funniest <laughs> joke, I was in a movie with De Niro, like, what, like whatever, you want to hire me. What would her own fucking sizzle reel be? Show me the two minutes where you have added to the conversation. Now, I, I, I know that people, you know, will go, oh, here, here's, here's Hench, you know, and the, the lady broadcaster. Mina Kimes, she's incredible. She's incredible. You, in fact... I'm not the sexist in my house when it comes to to female reporters. That's my wife who's like, why is she? Does she really need to? And I'm like, no, no, no. Mina Kimes is excellent. She's excellent, right? Because there's information, there's style, there's music and lyrics. And like Mina Kimes has information. She has analysis. She has history. She understands the game. She presents it. And she's organized. She's fantastic. So it's like, it's not... It's, it's not about that for Michelle. It's just that Michelle's a zero who's going to now go out there and, and save the world with her nothing, with her nothingness. Oh, my God. It's so Do you. Incredible. I mean, well, first of all, I go, goes without saying, I think, and not to try to sound, I, I, you know, being supportive of women in the media is probably shouldn't equal being woke in 2022. But of course, there are any number of examples we could take off. It calls into question, though, I wonder if this dings and somehow brings a negative spotlight onto, like you bring up, like, what exactly was she doing? I don't think it's a Michelle Tafoya question. What the hell value? Why has this gone on for 20 some odd years? I say that about the the nature of pregame shows. Who decided whatever it was 20, 30 years ago? It was more recent than that. Pregame shows used to be an hour long in advance of the football games. And that was more than enough. Jimmy the Greek would come on. He would give you where he's leaning. Musburger would say this, that, or the other. Or maybe Gumble did it or Costas or whatever. But that was more than enough. And then Fox made the airwaves and Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson and Howie Long. And they had their thing and they were kind of cute and they were a little more irreverent. And okay, that was fine. That was a different way to skin the cat. And Jimmy Kimmel, funny guy, making picks instead of Jimmy the Greek. Okay, when did we decide as a society that we would indulge just because ESPN or NFL or anybody else decided we need three hours, nay, eight and a half hours of run up to the Super Bowl? Who signed off on this? And then beyond that, what goes into those programs? It's bizarre. Okay, that's one thing that we have to solve. And maybe we can solve that amongst ourselves at extra points. But the other one is, like you say, it's not a Tafoya thing or the lack of information. It is, by its nature, going to come up zeros every time. What do, what do you think Bill Belichick or Sean McVay or anyone else is going to say as they run off the field for halftime? Like, hey, coach, having trouble establishing the run. How are you going to fix that? Well, I think we're going to start to pull the the right guard a little bit more, and we're going to run some counters. So be on the lookout for that on earth. What, what the hell are they going to say? I mean, it, it is such an inessential thing. That I wonder if now this all, if this all, as people start to consider Tafoya, if this then puts a stink on sideline reports. And they're like, 
yeah, you know what? Now that we think about it, we can save a lot of money with that complete deficit. Zero. Of a, a, Zero. What, what the hell? And then now Michael swoon and, and Congo, oh, she's been so great. She's oh, she's she's so good. Best in the best in the biz at what? Like, just I, I, well, like hey, just spoke to Coach Vrabel. He says Derrick Henry's a go. Literally anybody could do it. Anybody could do it. There's nothing. It's a zero. It's zero. So Michelle, you you just averaged zero points, zero rebounds, and zero assists for ten years. Um, good luck in your future endeavors. I mean, but you can be like funny. You know, there are ways to have style and like you know whatever. Michelle Tavoya, a, a zero, who's now going to go fight critical race theory in America. God bless, sister. Well, let me just say this, because I'm a vain person. I am with what you're hinting at there. It doesn't have to be Dave Damashek, but ideally for Dave Damashek, it would be Dave Damashek who gets to do that. Yes, there is room theoretically to do that job better if you're cute about it. If you if you have a little wiseacre to you, you have a little sass involved with the head coach. But the fear that the the inherent fear of upsetting the coach. Or otherwise, while you're walking the sidelines, mutes any ability, any attempt to have a right. person. And I mean, Jimmy's a perfect example. You know, Jimmy's like, "Hey guys, why isn't anybody being funny? Like, you, why, why doesn't somebody say something funny? You know?" And then you know, even Jimmy would get pushed back, like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's too funny." You know, exactly. But, uh, you I'd know. be the best. But what I was gonna say is, so this has been my cry for ever since The Bachelor hit the air. You know how The Bachelor would be better? If Dave Damashek were the host instead of the 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 Pollyannas that they throw in there, Chris Harrison before he got in trouble, and now that everything's got to be about like, is this? Do you think this guy is here for the right reasons? I'd be like, that guy? Are you kidding well, me? What that? a schnook! Did you hear the joke he made? C minus at best on that one. I you got to be a mixer. That's what we want. We want a mixer in that. If we're going to continue with sideline reporters, you're right. It's a good way to fix football before it kicks off again in 2020. Well, how about this? So, so, you know, like in, when the Red Sox are doing their 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 Jimmy Fund to ra- raise money for cancer research, you know, they'll bring a, a kid who's in remission into the booth and the kid will say, you know, now batting for the Boston Red Sox, uh, Wade Boggs, or, you know, whatever. And it's like it's adorable and it's exciting for the kid. How about a lucky fan just gets selected to say, um, I just spoke to Coach Tomlin. Juju uh, Smith-Schuster's not coming back into the game. Like it's not anybody could do it. Literally anyone in the stadium nice. could provide could say. So it's like, hey, if you're seated in row 38, you are now the sideline reporter. Like it's like it's nothing. It is zero. And then then to go out and lecture people on the way society should be organized and earning it. We got to earn it on the merits, just like Michelle Tafoya. Who 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 beat out all the other gladiators for this fucking zero job that adds nothing to any broadcast at a fucking high level of competition? <laughs> it's so insane, Michelle. You are the worst person in the world to go on this crusade. You are the worst person in the world. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna do one better there. Let's uh, let's trademark it. You're the creep of the week. Beer 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 beer. So we we had to pull that one out. Eric Dickerson was a terrible sideline reporter, but Eric Dickerson contributed to the game of football. Like, it's it's completely insane to give someone a golden ticket and go, hey, you're chosen to just do the nothing job at a high level of compensation. 
Um, are you grateful? No, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> I love I love the idea because you're right. Like, I don't know why Seth from the Make-A-Wish Foundation would have the wish of doing that, but I would love to like, let's get it over to Seth now. Like, how I, I the, the buck sideline is telling me Levante David has a groin. Back to you. I, <laughs> no, it would be great to have little kids do it because it would shine a light on the nothingness. So if you had a little kid going, uh, they say they got to establish the run. They got to protect Tom Brady. I think that's an elf voice, not a not a child voice. But okay, Tom Brady. They got to keep. They got to keep the pass rush off Tom Brady. I mean, anybody can do it. Any anybody, any age, any voice. She's pissed. She's pissed. You got to get into some animation, Hans. You're wasting the the, pipes you got there. Don't get me started. I uh, got a hot one in the hopper. Oh, you do, eh? I'm not going to be doing any voices on it, but I'll be writing the jokes. Well, you you, you know who has a quirky voice that uh, that people find charming. Yeah, and- but, you know, we want viewers to stay. So probably not so much of Damashek's, uh You know what you don't have? You don't have those mellifluous Michelle Tafoya strains just bringing just like a like a siren like Odysseus has to strap himself to the mast to not be drawn in to Michelle Tafoya's beautiful voice and incredible insights on football oh man what are we gonna do in September oh god do you think Tafoya's up to speed on mythology do you think she could do that report you know I mean it's funny I we go toe-to-toe here and I was like I, I was I guess I wasn't surprised that I nailed all those Super Bowl lines, but it's like yeah, I, I said three. I said Rams by three. You can't nail it any nailier than that. No, I mean, when we were doing the historical Super Bowl lines, oh, okay, okay, kicking right. them out of a hat, and I was getting within a half point on all of them. But like you know, of course, of course, your dream would go on would be to go on football final Jeopardy versus Michelle Tafoya. Go okay, share share the, your great knowledge. Uh, of the history of the game it's like no you've just been you've just been handed a golden ticket you've just been given 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 and uh and she thinks she accomplished something i mean she wasn't bored on third base like she they just gave her like the cushiest gig first of all collinsworth watches game film like he has a day he schedules his day like he's prepared i mean what a gig to just show up and go coach Vrabel says derrick henry's a go Thanks, Al. There is the amount of, you're exactly right. I, I, I'm i fascinated by what goes on. So she sits in on the interviews on the in the hotel suite with, with Al and Chris, I, I guess, standardly. It's a, it really is uh, the, the amount of loot. And I, I would love to know, actually, I assume you're speculating about millions of dollars, but I got to think that you're in the ballpark on NBC Sunday Night Football that, I guess it's about a seven-figure deal for the amount of effort required there. It, it really is remarkable that sideline reporters or field goal consultant as they cut away to Jay Feely. Hey Jay, <laughs> what what do you think about this kick? Like, it's windy. Back to you. Like, you know, hey, that ball hooked right. So he should he should he should kick it a little more to the, the left next time. Back is, to you. The crazy thing is, this will be a good segue to talk about actual football. But um, that the the referee consultant 
didn't think he was going to be getting as much airtime as he gets. Like, he's like, oh, it'll, this will be a cush gig. I'll weigh in on one call. It's like, oh, no, no, no. They're, these refs are so bad. You're going to be in, you're going to be working constantly during the broadcast because we we do need to throw to you to tell us how bad that call was. Speaking of which. Well, you know, by I, the way, that there's nothing. Our own eyeballs, yes, and the skeptical broadcaster and so on. All these things have informed us, uh, has uh, have made us all uh, question the quality of refereeing, but maybe no one more so than their peers in the booth who get paid to do it, right? I, I don't think that they really saw that coming. I don't think Fox or CBS, and I'm sure the NFL is oh, like, so hey, can you get Pereira, hey, uh, hey, uh, fuck, can you get uh, Pereira to take it? little easy because uh he's he's laying bare how dumb these guys are they try to take it easy they go i gosh i i think that's a catch you know they're like trying like it's like yeah we all see that it's a catch um but so all year i've been saying we know the officiating is going to be terrible our prayer is that it doesn't affect the outcome of the game that it doesn't literally change the winner and the loser because of terrible officiating. So in a way, this Super Bowl was perfect. Horrendous non-OPI call on T. Higgins leads directly to a touchdown. So you're like, okay, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Ticky-tack defensive holding call on the Cooper Cup third down. Pretty bad. Okay, seven points for the Bengals, seven points for the Rams. You guys did it. You sucked. But you didn't ruin the outcome of the game. That's not true. See, this is what I'm talking about. That it, it really is the end game of what I've been hinting at. That this is where this is all this is all heading is the broadcasters. I'm not sure exactly if there are conversations with the execs. I'm sure there are about like, hey, Al or Chris or Joe and Troy or whoever. It ain't great when the takeaway for the viewer is that the refereeing dictated the the result of this game. And maybe it's in part because of that or whatever. But I and I also think it's because generally speaking half the people watching the game are rooting for one outcome and the other half like the opposite. And so it's hard to to find a majority of people who are willing to sign off on cuz I'm incented if my team benefits from the call to be like, ah, come on, there were other bad calls. And so it's hard to find common ground on all that. And there is a carrying of water of like, well, what was the official supposed to do? Like that was so fast in real time that uh, Jalen Ramsey's head got turned around. Like you, you can forgive that. And you know what? It was a wash anyway, because that was, that went the Rams way, but then the other one that went the Bengals way. The other one went the Rams. So what a, unacceptable they're not supposed to make mistakes there's human error involved the intrigue in part of sports is that these people are way better athletes than we are and we live vicariously through them and then we poke holes at everything they do um that's the push and pull of watching high-end sports the officials are supposed to be whether it's fair or not in 1975 are supposed to never miss a call now, with the benefit of technology, they absolutely positively have no excuse for the call not to be correct. And I don't Whoa. mean the human being in the stripes. By hook or by crook, there's no excuse in, in 2022 for it to be like, well, human error, what are you going to do? It, but it's imminently correctable. I can't make 
uh, Joe Burrow throw a better pass on third and 12. Like that's, that's the human error involved in sport. The refereeing though should be consistent and a hundred percent accurate. Well, you know, after the, the Rams saints, uh, non-pass interference call, like they, it was so bad, literally the wrong team went to the Super Bowl. So they said, gosh, I guess we should rectify this and make this a reviewable play. And then they just decided, yeah, that didn't work. When obviously the T Higgins thing, you know, you can, you can maybe forgive the guy who's, you know, running with them, but there's a back judge in the middle of the field who has to see Jalen Ramsey's head snap. He's not screened by the play. So yes, in real time, someone should get that call right. But obviously the solution is to also give them the opportunity to call down and go, Hey, uh, we gotta, we gotta correct this fuck up. Now on the third down hold, um, you know, they see a linebacker with his hands on cup and the assumption is that he's restricting cup, you know, and then, and then when you watch it in real, in, in slow-mo, you're like, no, it's really just touching, not holding. Um, but you know, I, I mean, well, I'm happy that they fucked up in the same direct, you know, the, 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 the chiefs buck Super Bowl got out of hand real fast and all the bad calls went, went against the chiefs last year. So, so this one, I do feel like it evened out, but more importantly, as you guys know, every year I look at the, you know, I look at the, the, the lines for picking a Super Bowl champ and I make my wager based on the attractiveness of the number and I thought Rams plus 950 just looked great. I was like, that looks like they're going for it. They're all in. They're mortgaging the future. They just got such a significant upgrade at the most important position on the field. Like plus 950, this looks great. Obviously not feeling as good when Robert Woods got hurt, but that month, that bet is in. Then the Bengals beat upset the Chiefs coming back from 21-3. Now the Rams... I, I didn't know what I was going to do when the Chiefs played the Rams because the Rams were going to be uh, underdogs. They were going to be get, giving, you know, they were going to be getting three. But with the Bengals uh, plus four, plus four and a half, as I said on this podcast, which I thought was too high, take the Bengals, take the points, which I did with roughly half of what I stood to win from my Rams preseason Super Bowl pick. So I'm watching the end of this game like a psychotic fan. Like I'm like, I actually care about these two teams. And when that immaculate middle came in, it, it felt literally almost as good as, uh, as any of the Patriots' six Super Bowl titles. I mean, because first of all, what do we want to feel? We want to feel smart. You want to feel smart. And you're like, damn, that Rams bet was smart. Damn, that Bengals plus four hedge was smart. I feel so smart about football. Not Michelle Tafoya smart, but pretty <laughs> fucking smart about football. And uh, and then and the great part is I come home from the game watching with my pals, and uh, I walk in and and no, you know, of course, my family doesn't want to hear about the game until I explain to them. Oh, Daddy brought home some money. And then Sophie's like, let's hear all about how this transpired. She's so fired up. Uh, that actual cash landed in uh, in the in the Hench Incorporated. 
Um, so, so that, that result was the most thrilling. I remember all uh, the Isaac Bruce touchdown, uh, reception, the long one from Kurt Warner after the 99 season, that play cashed like five bets for me. It was crazy. Like it was, you know, I, I don't know what number Warner went over. I don't, you know, Isaac Bruce had a yardage number, but also I did remember this bet. Isaac Bruce more receptions than Shaq missed free throws that <laughs> Sunday game. Like, that, that was my previous uh, gambling uh, high was that play. And so when, when, when Rams Bengals middled and, uh, and, 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 and again, uh, after the, the Skoranek, how, how brutal when, when you're like, you lose Robert Woods and you're really in the wilderness and then you get, you get Odell Beckham and he's like, He's back. It was Mayfield's fault. And then like he's, you know, he's on his way to he's going to win the MVP. And then uh, not enough made of how terrible that throw was by Stafford, by the way, uh, that made Odell slam on the brakes. He's wide open. It's a five yard throw. Feel free to put it out in front of him where he wants it. Anyway, then then you go to Skoranek, who's like. You know, just he'd already had the debacle in the in the NFC championship game. Then he's literally popping up a ball for the pick. Now the Bengals are ahead. They're going to drive in. And I'm like, oh, thank God I hedged because this Rams thing's not going to come in. But Aaron Donald rose up and uh, and I won all my money and should have been the MVP. Right. Or or no. Well, I do think it's funny because I think they're way too prejudiced toward quarterbacks. So I'm always happy when it's a non-quarterback. You know, Tom Brady took um, Ty Law's Super Bowl MVP. So it would be nice if they did. If they we did did encourage that, we did encourage the the value of non-QB MVP vote plus a defensive player, and that's why it matters. It's a it's something you can pass over. But in this day and age, with so many people laying a little something on it, specifically Aaron Donald at plus one thousand, there was a twenty minute window there where everybody was sure celebrating. People want to look smart. Everybody was going wild on social media. I did it. Ninety nine is going to be the MVP. Like, wait, what? Cooper Cup got it. He did. Uh, that, that's a devastating. Well, I, but As somebody I who say. buys a lottery ticket and then spends the money in his head, and then when they announce the numbers and I realize I didn't win, I'm devastated. Like, oh, but I had that money. I I had the Santa Barbara house already. But uh, well, now you, I have to give it back. But if you think about it, you know, Aaron Donald um, is surrounded by really good players that are that are all helping him excel. I mean, he's whipping his guy, obviously, but. By the end of that game, Cooper Cup is the only guy. I mean, it is when you're when it's fourth and 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 two feet, and you have to run a jet sweep because none of your running backs can reach the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, I feel like the the fourth down conversion coupled with all the clutch catches, I, I don't really. It's hard to have a problem with with Cooper Cup winning MVP. Now, I, I could have. Uh, but there weren't any dynamic. I will say there weren't any dynamic catches. There weren't any, you know, Julian Edelman juggling it three times before catching it a centimeter off the turf, or Lynn Swan soaring over somebody. It was pretty, by his measure in twenty uh, in the season, it was a pedestrian effort by him. So I, I think Donald could have gotten there. Should have, but gotten. I would have been. I would have been very happy with the with a Harvey Martin, Randy White. You know why not? Uh, 
Why? I mean, I, I guess they they can't really arrange to do because they're not nimble enough to figure that out amongst yeah. themselves to do it. I mean, it's much more cockamamie that they collect the votes before the two minute warning. <laughs> that seems like uh, a, a more significant issue um, for them. I thought Zach Taylor was noble in the last few days in acknowledging that was on me that Joe Mixon wasn't on the field on third and fourth down with the with the Super Bowl hanging in the balance, but. When you when you put the spotlight on yourself, I can't help but ask uh, further questions. Would they should they in 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 hindsight should they have called timeout? That's a pretty big. If you, I, I often will go back as a loser, especially now that we enter this desert. I will pull up full games on YouTube or wherever and watch them all. And one of the things that's striking to me in a second now, viewing will you, will you fast forward through the sideline commentary or will you? <laughs> <laughs> that's all i have left not not anymore i won't that's all i have at tafoya left good lord um the um i i often marvel though whether it's al and madden calling super bowl 43 or whatever that i mean there's no reason for them to be nervous although they're at the pinnacle of their professional moment too in the final two minutes is something significant is happening but i marvel at like they're with it. They 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 fully grasp the the moment, but they're they're not anxious at all. There you can feel the urgency in Al's voice. I think he that moment crept up so fast that Cup gets that touchdown, and it was wonky in the in, in you know in the goal line situation there for the Rams. And then they get it, and in the blink of an eye, it felt like Burrow had him. It was a fade to complete. Oh, this thing's going to overtime unless Burrow throws a deep ball to chase and then they win it in dramatic fashion and regulation. I felt like everybody, I think from Al to Zach Taylor to everybody else was kind of like, Oh, it's fourth and inches. And this is the, this is the game. Like, I don't think people did the math. If you listen to the broadcast, Al didn't fully, because you assumed that they were going to get it there, which makes the Donald third down play a pull in Samaji P Ryan back from the line, a, a remarkable play. Um, but should they should have called timeout if that was it? If you look at the field and you realize like, hey, it's fourth and half a yard, we better not be cavalier about, oh, well, we'll get this and then we'll get Mixon back in there. Like if he knows that Mixon should be on the field and he's not, shouldn't they have called timeout? Well, because you only need 10 more yards with 35 seconds left. You can easily get the ball one pass completion and a spike. You have plenty of time to still uh, do that even without the timeout. So what you're saying is it went from a fade accompli to a fade incomplete. Oh, look who's uh, clever today. Put that into your animated series yeah. and smoke it. En Francais. So here, here, here's the thing. At second and one and a half, you're thinking these guys, the field goal is a fade accompli. Now you have to be trying to score. A t- you should win the game. You should be not, you know, don't let this thing come down to a coin flip. You should be winning the game. And so right, that's exactly right. In a one and a half, you have to have the foot has to be on the pedal. And obviously they throw on second and one. Their foot is on the pedal. They have the weird, it was almost like a throwaway down the sideline, the deep throw down the sideline. Looked like he just got rid of it. That now I thought I was like, okay, if you if your plan is to pass again on third and one and change, um, did Burrow check out of it? 
which is harder for a coach who still is going to eat it. He should eat it. But if you like, if you actually have the package on the field that you want, but you didn't want your quarterback to check into a run to your backup running back, it's still classy of him to eat that if that's what happened. Um, I I don't like the call. Like it's sort of, it's almost the opposite of the Seahawks Patriots where it's like, how do you not hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch with, you know, in this situation on the, in the Bengals situation, it's like, you don't be thinking about getting this, getting a yard and a half. You're going to score a touchdown to win the game. So you need to be thinking about T Higgins and Jamar Chase, not P Ryan, you know? So I, I disagree with the call more than the personnel. Obviously, after the result, you're like, you know, are you know, does Mixon squat 40 pounds more than Pirine? Does he get the, those inches? Um, and then on gets, I mean, Donald stops him dead. It's, it's really a, a remarkable it's play. Because his head, his head butts up against the the imaginary yellow line, and you're like, Well, oh, he's got it for a split second. You acknowledge like First down, here we go. They're going to kick the field goal unless they're going to blow it. And I'm rooting for the Rams minus three. But I'm also, I'm in a squares pool with my pals. And I stand to win a lot of money if it lands at nine, six. Wait, if it landed at, I forget what the number, nine, six. Which, yeah, would have gone to 23-23 would have been the overtime. Would have gone to overtime at 23. And then the field goal presumably wins it in overtime to take you over 48 and a half. So I would have cashed that. Plus if the the Rams go on to kick that field goal, I make more money than I do on the Rams minus three bet even. So anyway, that would have been, I, I was willing to roll the dice there. So I was disappointed that it just was like, here we go. We're going to get overtime and this is going to be great. And another uh, thriller. And then it just was like third, third down. Oh, that was it. Okay. With fourth down and like, Oh, the game's over, huh? Oh, what? What the? What? I, yeah, there's no. The, yeah, there's no way around this. It's. Oh, I think at both sidelines we're we're kind of like that's. Oh yeah, that I, I don't I mean, think there's any way that there, Donald, anybody this changes right Aaron now. Donald gets Joe Burrow and his clutches so freaking fast on fourth down. I mean, it's as fast as you can get from where he was, <laughs> like from where he started to where he got to, uh, and he's he's got Burrow wrapped up. And I know you've talked about it already, but like not enough made. If Pirine lays out, he could, I mean, that ball was not uncatchable. Like I think Pirine's kind of frozen watching his quarterback get sacked. And all of a sudden the ball squirts out right in his direction. And it kind of, it lands sort of in his catch radius, you know, as he kind of, he, he fumbles forward for it. But like, you know, we're, we are a foot and a half, from the new greatest play in Super Bowl history. Like, what well, you know, it's this, this guy getting rid of it and almost being accurate on the way. Yeah, back. I agree. I agree. And, and, and what that when I talk about that in the fortnight or three weeks in run up to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow became a godlike figure for football fans who was, uh, was the coolest guy in the history of people and all that. What if he completes that pass spinning around and it lands in, in uh, P. Ryan's hands and then they win that game somehow? Um, that was, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was one of those things like P. Ryan is doing one of those things like when you're standing on the platform waiting for your for your train to come, like you're ready for 20 minutes for the train to get there and you're waiting, like where is it? But then 
when, when it cut you like you it takes you a second to start towards the train like yeah i think he's like i'm i'm right here I'm right here Ooh, oh the ball I, I think he got himself flat-footed to the it point that he couldn't jump for the reaction. ball i totally agree now you know it's I, I think lost him is you know it was a pretty bad game for long stretches that was always i agree i think it's overstated that people are like what what, another gem and it was a it was the only thing redeeming it for long stretches was it was close it was consistently close but a lot of bad football and you know i know the feeling it in cincinnati uh lost opportunity but we've got the kid quarterback is fine coach coach is excellent we're in good shape but as as all all dolphins fans know like you, you don't always get back there um, that, that might've been your chance. And if it was their one chance, you really have to look at an entire game of not just missed opportunities, but like, I loved the going forward on fourth down right out of the gate. We got the gunslinger. You can't cover all our guys. And the Rams said, you're right. We're not going to cover T Higgins. He's wide open. And Burrow tries to jam it into chase with Jalen Ramsey on him. The whole idea, I mean, part of the reason I said take the Bengals plus four is like Ramsey's going to take someone away and the other guy is going to is going to hurt you. It, it was weird. They they picked on Ramsey all day. I mean, the big touchdowns against Ramsey. really weird, the yeah. Zone, they're trying to jam it against, you know, Ramsey. But anyway, on that play. Ramsey falls down as Higgins comes, or as uh, Chase comes free on the fourth in inches play, right? I mean, that would have been game-winning touchdown. So so on the on the first possession, they go go for it on fourth. Higgins is wide open. And, and you know, they talk about, you know, scouting combines. And this is the thing this guy does well. He just... He basically is doing his progression simultaneously. And I mean, that's what Brady's always done, right? First of all, Brady comes to the line of scrimmage. Where's Jalen Ramsey? Uh, okay, on movement, I know which of these two guys I'm going to throw to. There's no way Tom Brady tries to jam it into Jamar Chase. He just floats it to the sticks, and T. Higgins has an easy first down. So that was like, ooh, uh, you didn't. we didn't see a lot of mistakes from Joe Burrow in this postseason. That one was on Joe Burrow. Okay, that's an empty possession. The Rams score a touchdown. Then Tyler Boyd first drop of the season. Wow. Wow. Sig- significant that people, I, I, I think uh, it's funny you bring that up because I was particularly aware of his deeds because I had, uh, I sprinkled a little something on him having the long, longest catch of the game, which I knew was out the window once Higgins caught that uh, long touchdown. But w- that drop was crazy, especially for somebody who's gone out of his way to badmouth other teams for, for failing in big moments and the whole world saw it. I That's the kind of crap. I'm all for free speech. Say whatever you want. But when you put the stink on yourself like that, then you got to wear it. I mean, that's the same thing with Eli Apple. Shoot your mouth off. I love it. I love I love the gabbing and all that stuff. Just be very careful about what you do. Damashek, as you know, Hench, I love to talk stuff before a pickup basketball game. And then people say about halfway through the first game, Hench being one of them, like, hey, Shaq, why do you talk so much crap? You're not good at basketball. And I'm like, because that's all I have. Then what what, what role do I have at all in the game? If I don't get to talk the <laughs> stuff and if I can't do it after the game, can't do it then. Only that's time I can point. talk crap that's is in, a, in advance. Point. I want to be, I want to feel like a ball player. 
I understand, but but I have no expectation that I'm actually going to live up to any of my of my own hype. Um, but you can't be. But Eli Apple is now raw that people are going after him. Like, well, then you know, then if you can't do the the time, don't do the crime. But yes, Tyler Boyd, I think that is an underrated big spot there because you know they, they have a chance to kind of like create some distance there and he's got you know you, if you look at the separation he definitely is going to have time to gather and continue leaning forward like he's gonna get the first down if he doesn't gack that so you start the game with a joe burrow mistake toward the end of the game you have a a, a big tyler boyd mistake and then you have whether we call it a Zach Taylor mistake, uh, but like just three colossal game-changing unforced errors that cost your team a championship. And uh, don't assume you'll be back there in that fucking conference anytime soon. I agree. And very quickly, because I do want to then talk about what all of it means going forward. But I guess what does it mean going forward that, you know, for all the people who decree, and I think this is a Brady with the Patriots thing that was proven true over the last decade, is you don't need to be able to run the ball at all to to win in the NFL anymore. You do need to be able to stop the run. That that will gut your chances at some point if you can't stop somebody. But clearly, I I guess the be- which is proven by the AFC title game result that. Mixon making a little bit of hay in the second half and in overtime was the difference in that game. And the Chiefs had zero, but the Chiefs nevertheless are in the title game with zero ability to run. The Rams couldn't do anything on the ground. They won the Super Bowl still. It seemed like the Bengals could have run some more, but it somehow didn't present itself. I do wonder what it means. You know, I I was supportive of a year ago because it was the big conversation going into the draft. And we knew Pittsburgh wanted to fix their running back position. And so they drafted and people said, tisk, tisk, you can't do that. I'm still on the fence about whether or not you can use a first round pick on a, on a running back. But I really do want, like, I mean, what, I guess the takeaway is don't be a running back. If you're 12 years old and you're listening to us right now, Choose any, but if you're a really good athlete, be a wide receiver or be a corner Corner. or something like that. Do not be, don't do this because it, one, you get, you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. And two, you're undervalued and therefore you're not going to get paid as much. Corner, corner's the the choice because you're, you're delivering the hits, you know, wide receiver is glamorous, but you, you know, perfect is lurking. Like corners don't get hit like wide receivers. They, they do the little, the little hits, but, um, so to your point about running the ball, when uh, it was so funny when the Lions had already hired Patricia prior to the Patriots defense not being able to get off the field against Nick Foles, right? So you've already hired the defensive mastermind who cannot stop Nick Foles. Now you're watching the Super Bowl as the Patriots give up 41 points to the backup quarterback uh, you, you're like, this is our guy that Nick, we're going to have Matt Patricia is going to be our head coach. The Patriots defense can't get off the field. Maybe he's not a genius. So it's not quite as egregious as that, but you know, the Vikings announced O'Connell, uh, right, right at, you know, the day after the game or something. And if you're watching the game, you're like, does he think second and 12 is a great, great option? Why do they keep what is happening here? Why do they keep giving it to Cam Akers to lose two yards on first down every time? Hey, guys, 
every guy on your O-line is getting whipped on every running play. You you have to abandon this completely. And they like they literally didn't abandon it until the end of the game. They stuck with it. And it was funny watching like, okay, well, Cam Akers can't get to the line of uh, scrimmage. Maybe Henderson can get to the line of scrimmage. All right, maybe Sonny Michelle can get to the line of scrimmage. Like, it's not the running backs. Your blockers aren't blocking anybody. Please go play action. Uh, you know, so it was a it was crazy because Zach Taylor sort of out McVeigh McVeigh at the end, but McVeigh and and O'Connell called a bad game. They they called a really bad game. That the, those those running plays that put you behind the sticks, you know, over and over again, where every casual fan is like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And and by the way, that's why I say if you have a you're a, a hyper competitive guy um, who gets downright mean spirited, even when playing a pickup game with your pals, you get mean and and uh, condescending and say free, things that free that, market. That, the free market. That's true. Wanna, and I I support your right to do it. I listen. If you want to shut not, me up? Maybe you should get a stop. I'm not. To, I'm, I know it's that's one thing. That's why it's when I'm on your team and you disparage me and pick up basketball to 21 and we're at 20 and I shoot the ball and uh, and I miss it and you're like uh, I've scored 18 of our team's points to this point and you decide to take the, to try the game winning shot. Good good decision, Chet. Good 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 decision. It's it's hurtful. It's I'm a grown up too. You know that's, but a that's spot on spot on. You know I couldn't <laughs> tell you were a grown up by the floaters and scrapers and air balls. <laughs> you were throwing up from three-point land. Oh, it must have been embarrassing when that child blocked your shit over and over again. much meaner if I'd known you were a grown-up those way back in those days. Hench thinks he's clever with his double clutching as he gets into the lane, but what he didn't account for is that Damashek is a half a step slow, and so that double clutch it allows for my first attempt to swat your shot to prove successful and tip the ball and uh, come up short of the rim. Now, what my point was, I don't know. Let's talk about this. I know you'd miss football. You can tell we miss it too. You can still make Thursday meaningful. In fact, you can make it lucrative with a big payday. NBA on TNT on FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. FanDuel's given all customers $10 back every Thursday night in site credit. Just bet a $10 or more same game parlay. On any NBA game that is on TNT, same game parlays, if you somehow aren't aware at this point, same game parlays let you combine the money line, point spread, player props, and more all into one wager. You know, I love the fast payouts. I love the site in general of FanDuel, but I'm not going to jive you. The same game parlay is my favorite of all things. Eddie Spaghetti, let's take a look at one. Do you have anything in mind that you'd like to seize on? This Thursday night, uh, we can take a look at there. We got a, a nice slate of games out there. The new look Brooklyn Nets. You got the Mavs, Luca heating it up. You got the new look Sixers playing the Bucks on Thursday night. How say you? The best game of the day is probably the Sixers Bucks. Um, I, you know, Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate, so I like his over points. Uh, obviously, without Harden, you're gonna have to target him a lot. Uh, Giannis again, the over 30 and a half points, I like that too. He had one of the more efficient, uh, high scoring games, I think, in NBA history. A guy getting the uh, on like 20 shots at 50 points, or uh, he's an incredible player. Uh, I still like them as a team. The Bucks winning this game over the Sixers without Harden, they're giving six and a half points. So I like the Bucks at home to win this one, so you could, uh, uh, same game, probably that up. 
There you have it. Easy peasy, nice and easy, like Eddie Spaghetti just showed you. Make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus, the number three. Fanduel.com slash minus three is how you do it. Join us, fade us, however you like, and maybe we'll see you in the winner's circle. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. More and more. It's weird. I don't know if you experience this. More and more. Just randomly in my as I go through uh, through life, more and more people stopping me here and there, dropping me a note, social media, maybe a quick text message. Random people on the streets like, hey, that guy Hench on your show, man, that is some great podcast you guys got going there. Oh. It's true. People say that. Um, well, what's so- weird is this is what's weird. Spaghetti can agree that this is weird. You are about to just conjure a topic out of whole cloth yes. that I don't know about. Yes. How can I be more prepared than you are? You're picking the topics. Our, what do you, you mean go, more prepared? You what, because you say know. more words? Because you say you more know, words? That doesn't what I'm trying to say. Well, I don't remember when I lost my train of thought because I wanted to move on. I'm trying to move on to what pick up what you said 10 minutes ago about Burrow. Does Burrow, that's the big question. Everybody said, everybody said, the vapid cynicism makes me crazy. And by the way, I love talking about who the best of the best are. Obviously, I've made I've made a career off of ranking the difference between this top 10 Super Bowl era quarterback versus that top 10 Super Bowl era quarterback. I love those debates. But I also think it's a little weird and creepy that randos everywhere have opinions on the worthiness of Matt Stafford going to the Hall of Fame. And that, we not good enough. Everybody weighing in on this. First of all, hey, Seth, in uh, in Topeka, you, uh, your opinion on what is worthy of the Hall of Fame is, is fine. But the idea that the people who cast the votes ultimately aren't human beings and therefore aren't going to react to their memories and, and lean to some degree on their memories of like, he did do that in the big game. That does matter. And this attempt to turn it all into an analytics-driven math equation that then marginalizes the meaning of the postseason, aka the entire point of every season, is super weird to me. And what's weirder is that random schnooks have signed off on this as the measure. Well, but his his average yards per attempt and blah, 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 blah. All, all valid arguments to bring up. It also matters that Matthew Stafford, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, they traded to get him. That story, the people who mute the narrative, the human elements of these things are weird. What are we doing in trying to get away from that and trying to diminish the value of the guys who make the biggest plays in the biggest spots? I, I, don't, I don't get that. But the other side of that coin is Joe Burrow all the promises, and even Al Michaels couldn't resist at the end of the game. One of the very last things he says on the broadcast is, there's Joe Burrow. Now he'll be back in the big game. Will he, though, Al? Yeah. What are the chances, Hedge? Do you think? Because look at the look at, look at at recent history. There was a run there, thanks to Brady, largely. But, you know, Roethlisberger played in three. Peyton played in three. Breeze played in one. Rodgers has only played well. I mean, Breeze and Rodgers have only played uh, played in one apiece, and one's done. It's hard to get to the Super Bowl. Do you think Joe Burrow plays in another Super Bowl? Look into well, your crystal that's, ball. That's a great question. I think if you said Joe, if you the if the line was go to FanDuel, 
Will Joe Burrow play in another Super Bowl? I think it would probably be, um, my, you know, like that. He, yes, he will play in a Super a Super Bowl. Would probably be like minus one fifty, right? Right in the in the glow of he was just. Oh, there. you think so? Wow. I think the bet that people think that that enough people, if you're trying to get 50-50 on each side of the bet, enough people think he'll definitely make it back to a Super Bowl. But whatever the line was, well, not whatever it was, but I would bet uh, plus plus 125 that he never plays in another Super Bowl. That My bet would be that that was his Super Bowl. Just looking at, at, at Josh Allen and Mahomes and Herbert and just how many great quarterbacks and, and complete teams there are, uh, you know, uh, it, if we get to our picks, I'm going to tell people to bet the Bills to win the Super Bowl. And I've been right two I, out of three years. All right. That's exactly what I want to get to. And it is worth repeating, though, that that is this that, that the inconsistency of people's arguments around these things about, you know, that 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 kind of like that glib. Well, he'll be back. I think it's it it it. it is intended to make the guy who can't hear them because he's standing on the field still and he's shaking hands with the winning quarterback. Like, ah, he'll be back. It's like, I guess that's to make the losing fans feel better and keep them engaged or to try and be sympathetic to them in their moment of sorrow. But there's very little indication that, that, that they're like, this guy is bound to win. Oh, that was who it was. Orlovsky said, Burrow, well, you know, if the Bengals get it right, like this guy should win multiple Super Bowls. Should win multiple Super Bowls? The should? No one should win multiple Super Bowls. It was very hard to do, but all right, let's get to it, Hench. I said, a spoiler alert. I said, I'm go, I'm sticking with the Los Angeles Chargers because I like that team, obviously. And I think they do make the necessary changes, just like the Bills fixed their pass rush this offseason. I think the Chargers now fix the their run defense. That's really the the fi- only fix they really need. Now, Mike Williams is a free agent. That's their big ticket guy that they could potentially lose. So I like the Chargers a lot. Um, and against the San Francisco 49ers, helmed by number 12, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, and I, I know it's fun to talk about, but I absolutely think it's a real thing that as he sits there because he is like the home life, the domestic life ain't for me or otherwise, if they purge Jimmy G, the the critical thing that you'll know Brady's coming back is if the Niners move on from Jimmy G. If you see that, that will indicate that Brady is going to San Francisco. Hear me now, believe me later. I'd love to bet them at plus 1,500 right now, the 49ers. Spaghetti, who were your who was uh, your Super Bowl 57 matchup? The picks I gave on the last minus three were from the NFC. I think the Cowboys still the easiest path, especially with the potential quarterback movement if Rodgers does leave and maybe head to the AFC West. Um, I, the NFC East is still the worst division. You know, We'll see what happens with the draft and such, but I don't think that's going to change. And on the AFC side, I understand it's a bloodbath of how many great quarterbacks there are. And I'm picking a team that right now is not going to have is not going to use the same quarterback they used last season, but they have the most important piece, which is an offensive line. They have one of the best running backs in football and they have a great defense and a great coach, great organization. They already announced they're going to move on to get a new quarterback. I like the Indianapolis Colts to get one of the big name guys and they will be the representative for the uh, AFC. That's, well, a, fun see, that's a very gutsy pick because you, there's a variable in there, but you'll get, you will get value 
if you bet on them prior to that player arriving. That's right. That's why I said they're nine. They're plus twenty four hundred right now. Yeah. That number will go way down when Russell Wilson shows up. Exactly. You want to you want to that's and that's the guy who it would be. And I also think like we've talked about, I think Washington's gonna chase Russ too. Um I think I'll say it one more time for your ears, Hench, um, and anybody who wants to make um, so a team that has very long odds right now, but they would flip dramatically the Carolina Panthers if they get Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers takes a lay of football America oh and says, God. that's You're right. Terrible. Your Carolina Panthers fixation, it's so hysterical. Why is that a fixation? What fixation? I, they have a good defense. They have great skill position, guys. If Brady went to Carolina, I mean, or if uh, Rodgers went there, that's the best spot for him. Spaghetti said it, and everybody else is talking about it, too. Don't go to the AFC. If well, the goal is to win the Lombardi, don't do that. that part, but, um, you know, it's that seems like an unlikely destination uh, uh, so did Tampa Bay for Brady. So that's uh, uh, not really not with Arians, but um, hey, real quick, because you you brought it up like as if we were going to talk about it. Um, Matthew Stafford, okay, yeah, was a Hall of Famer. I, it's not you know when somebody argues about Matthew Stafford's you know Hall of Fame bona fides, you're like, oh, good, I I never have to talk about football with you ever again because you don't know anything about football. Like what, like. Uh, he's so surplus to requirements to getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he his numbers, raw numbers, are bananas, obviously. And then if you add that fucking throw against the Bucks, and then what I think will only grow in estimation, I don't understand that throw he made in the Super Bowl. Now that we have those reverse angles from behind the defense – where he literally needs to move Bell eight inches to his left so that he can no look at four inches to the outside of his right hand to win the Super Bowl. Like that throw, I mean, Eli Manning to Tyree just has an element of like prayer to it. What Matthew Stafford did on that throw. So if you're putting together his Hall of Fame reel, right? I mean, so you already have two and a half minutes of insane throws to Megatron, right? You know, but like the throw against the zero blitz when the Bucks sent everybody and he drops it into Cooper Cup's basket. And then that throw, I mean, Matthew Stafford is, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we're talking about it, even though we're right. And he's definitely going in the Hall of Fame. By the way, I feel the same way about Eli Manning. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, like two Super Bowls, two. I, I I think the most severe example is Lynn Swan, because, of course, I've had to answer that question many times. Um, The uh, how what why would Lynn Swan be in the Super? Like, do you know anything about what happened in over the last 50 plus years in the biggest game? Because the most uh, the most remarkable performance that you'll see or among the most is Lynn Swan in big games, especially in Super Bowl 10. And then again, in Super Bowl. I mean, uh, if you perform at that level, the people who cast the votes were watching those games and they retain those more than they do what happened in mid-October. I, I, I don't know. The, You're not the argument to... against it, the vapid cynicism yeah. required to try to mount the argument about like, but Ken Anderson's completion percentage, like, okay. I, I, 
Marty Weiss didn't like this on Extra Points when I said this. And the the, the cinematic example is, it's like, Matthew Stafford, you've watched him play like, I'm like, yeah, but he did that in the big spot. Like, you, I don't, we can debate whether or not you think Joe Pesci is actually one of the best actors of the last century, but he wouldn't have won the Oscar if he didn't deliver the what uh, like a clown speech. He was great in that big moment. That's how he gets the award, and that's why he is iconic for all of time. That's how football works, too. It is unscripted drama, but drama nonetheless. And who is the star in that moment? Is worthy of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You're, 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 well, you're applying some weird arithmetic that doesn't that isn't required to acknowledge again history of football. There is no, I mean, w- what's the story without uh, of the 21st century and NFL storylines and everything without Matthew Stafford and his role in it? Of course, it's it's significant. You're, well, you're talking to the president of the Julian Edelman right. Hall of Fame, committee, so obviously, I agree 100. When you know. When you know you're going to the playoffs, these are the games that matter. And, you know, Edelman was incredible. Oh, I will say, you know, I've been crowing about Edelman because he's second to Rice in all these big stat categories, right? So you're like, he's the second greatest playoff receiver of all time. Obviously, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And Cooper Cup is poised to blow by everybody. You know, he's he's so incredible. Um, and, I, you know... This, this is where, you know, obviously defensive coordinators know a hell of a lot more about stopping a team than I do. But I always think, like, can't you just put guys around him until they throw it to Skoranek? I agree. I'm like, I, I, I always am fascinated by a guy's ability to get open. Like, we <laughs> have all those guys uh, trying to stop him. You can't come up with a couple to keep it, make it difficult enough that it's not worth trying the pass? And I guess maybe it is hard to double – like, you know, in basketball, you just double the guy with the ball and he kind of has to give the ball up. Maybe like with someone like Cup, he's going to whip, he's going to choose which guy he whips. So let's say you're bracketing him, but he's like, okay, fuck, fuck this hemisphere. I'm going to go at you. And then whichever way your hips turn, I'm going to go the other way and be open. But it, it is confounding to me. Like, I, I mean, I would literally be like, okay. Skaronic is not going to have anyone on his side of the field before we let number 10 beat us. This is the one thing that cannot happen is him throwing the ball exclusively to number 10 all the way into the end zone. And the weirdest one ever was Steve Smith. Like he was the only viable target on those good Carolina Panthers teams. And yet he would be running behind everybody by like 15 yards. Like, Nobody is near him. I, what did you think Jake DeLone was going to do, everybody? What was- there's a, there's a, a football – hey, maybe we're inventing something here or maybe it exists. But um, the football equivalent of a box and one because, you know, it was it always drove me crazy in high school when I would be lighting a team up and they would go <laughs> box and one on me because the truth is I – I could, I could, I wasn't nearly as effective, obviously, against man to man as I was against zone, but like I could beat a guy off the dribble. But if you have to beat your guy and then there's a zone behind him, so is, would there be a way to like almost like a spy on Cooper Cup where you're like, you're guarding him man to man? They do that. We're going to have the other guys are going to, so when he whips you inevitably, at least he'll be running into somebody's zone. I just, it just, it's shocking to me when, uh, Higby's out before the game. Uh, Beckham goes down. 
Skaronic can't catch a football, even though he's in the NFL, and you're still getting first downs with Cooper Cup. All right, give us Hench. Give us you have best bets for the weekend. Well, you let first give us give us your Super Bowl Fifty Seven bets. I, it's weird. I can't. Did did FanDuel today take down the the Super Bowl Fifty Seven odds? I can't. Uh, no, I am up. I am up. We right do. Here. Okay. I the, don't have uh, just so just so everyone knows the the right now um, as the time of this recording the the favorite is the, uh, the Buffalo Bills at plus seven hundred right by the behind the Chiefs um, seven plus seven fifty the Rams Super Bowl champion at fifty six or plus twelve hundred they're in third Packers plus thirteen hundred Cowboys plus thirteen hundred. Niners plus fifteen hundred. That's like your top chunk, and then the Super Bowl losers, the Bengals, they're uh, plus two thousand, along with the Baltimore Ravens. How weird! So anyway, right hey, there, like you're asking your question about Joe Burrow. Well, Vegas doesn't think it's happening next year. Okay, <laughs> right? You know, so um, I my Super Bowl matchup. I really like the Bills. Those thirteen seconds, I I still can't I, I still can't believe what I saw. Um, and I love Spaghetti's reasoning with the Cowboys of how cushy it is to get a buy into the playoffs you know how how different you can approach games when you're in that crap division so that you know so i don't know which which super bowl is that what is that check you know the numbers but cowboys bills rematch of those two super bowls it's a good question i don't remember what was that 30 so that would be that would be super bowl 28 well giants bills is 25 so then Right. And then and then 20, 26 is Washington and then 27. So 28. I'm right. Yeah, 27, 28 uh, rematch. 29 is the worst Super Bowl the, or one of the worst Super Bowls. Niners and Chargers. And Chargers. Then 30, the right. Niners Chargers thing, getting back to your to your Cooper Cup, uh, to the Cooper Cup thing of like, hey, hey, how about this guy doesn't beat us? That Chargers Niners game, um, everything in the lead up to it was like just – just keep him in front of you. Just you got to keep everything in front of you. Uh, was it Stanley Richard? I, I forget who the, the safety was. It's like, okay, guys, what do we talk about all week? Uh, this guy can <laughs> blow by us <laughs> from Jump Street. He's in the end zone. Oh, gonna be, I, I, you know, for all the Matthew Stafford does or doesn't, I it. It's unsatisfying also because there are guys in there who shouldn't be in there, as we've discussed. And then there are guys like Ricky Waters who are inexplicably just not in the Hall of Fame or Tory Holt. Like, hey, you got to fix that before we can start talking about these other ones. I, and I, here's another thing that's under my skin. Shut up about telling me what I should and shouldn't talk about. Like, hey, if you're out there talking about whether or not you could uh, do something in a professional uh, in, in one of these leagues and you're a schnook, like you're, you shouldn't be allowed to talk about that. I'll bring up the subject if I want. If I want to rank quarterbacks, there's people on social media like, oh, the oh, Spaghetti actually sent one of those too. Like, oh, I hate these offseason QB rankings and stuff like that's what's fun. That's our role in sports. That's what's fun for us to do is to do that. You we don't get to do play something. in them. Fun. Yeah. It's what's fun to do. I don't tell me I'm, I can't have those conversations or that they're lame. I don't think, well, I mean, maybe they're lame, but Dave is lame. So what are you going to do? Um, all right. You know what? We, we, I, I, I want to keep it. Well, some let's more talk here, about what everybody's talking about. Let's talk about the big story that's gripping the nation and will lead to my best bet. Go ahead. Luke Kennard plus 600 to win the three point shooting contest. Ah, that's fun. my bet. That's that is really good money 
uh, for that sweet lefty stroke. Uh, Chris Mullen, I was watching the Clippers have a, of a, of a season long bet against the Clippers. So I've been watching too many Clipper games, but, uh, this was crazy. And I don't know if they were right or not, but the announcers were talking about Luke Kennard's ambidexterity. And I mean, he's got this lefty stroke that is Chris Mullen. It is so pure plus 600 three point shooting contest. And then he took it to the basket and I think he finished with his right hand or he passed. I think he made like a, a half court pass with his right hand. And then they started talking about his ambidexterity and they were talking about what a great high school football player he was. And they said he threw a football right handed. And I'm like, this has never happened in sports history. A guy who throws a football right handed and shoots a basketball left handed. Very weird. Yeah. No way. No way. Anyway, that's my Luke Kennard pick and story. And then my other best bet uh, you guys were tweeting about hockey and and our our team's unlikely chances of of raising the silver, but FanDuel has the Avalanche at plus four fifty. That now look when you look at the teams, the Panthers, the Lightning, the Leafs, like that those numbers are better numbers, but they all have to go through each other. And I got to say, the Avalanche coming out of the West at plus four fifty that is a great price. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Hench, because I was just about to make mention of my team that I'm riding and now watching a lot of. If you happen to, I've got, I, I had a nervous moment. I sat on extra points. That was my pick of the day on, uh, on Wednesday Flames. night. Was Calgary the Calgary Flames. Flames are, I mean, they, I thought in the third period, the Ducks get a shorty at the top of the third period. And I thought, oh, no, everything was going great. They're up now. It's 4-2. Maybe they're running out of gas because it's because uh, it's back-to-back games for them. Then they then they hit the gas again, and they, and, and they pull away. I like the Flames. They play on Friday against the Kraken. I, can, I expect them to continue their role and uh, not get a whole lot of pushback from the uh, the faulty crack in there. And in fact, don't just survive. Live, bet the two and a half. The Flames are at home. Go get Lay uh, two and a half goals. Take the alt line on FanDuel, and that's going to be a winner, and the payout will be nice for you. And you know what? I hear Hench. He's making the smart play with the Avs. If it ain't them, and by the way, the Wild are, are fun too, but you can get the Flames at plus 850 now to get to the Stanley Cup final. I, I say make that bet. It is it is pretty slim pickings. Avs, the Knights you figure with Eichel, are going to be a better version of themselves going forward here. But that trying to pick a team to come out of the Wales Conference is, is near impossible. I did pick the Panthers yeah. to be number one. Um regular season so hurricanes panthers lightning it's just like those things Pens are right there too man pens are i have pens are a machine that that that, unlike most other teams it's really remarkable not enough credit given to mike sullivan their coach uh that they they whatever their trainers are doing is something not great because they cannot keep their roster healthy but no matter. I mean, look at them right up there with with uh, Carolina and the head of Spaghetti's blue shirts and everything else. Blue shirts are are going to be a fun postseason story here. They're going to get it handed to them. 
and they're not. Learn, and you guys are going to learn a lesson. Game. They're not because we have the best goaltender in the NHL, and no one's going to beat. It. Especially with the deadline, they're going to make moves. There's no team going to beat the Rangers in a seven in a seven game series. Oh, are you so. predicting them to win the Stanley Cup this year? Is that I, your big your big I bet? Think, I think they know the window. The window. You never could could really predict a window, and I think right now that their cap tightens up next year uh, massively. And I think they're gonna. I wouldn't be shocked if they go after and get someone like Claude Giroux at the deadline uh, to really boast the, the offense. And I, I just don't see Shesterkin losing a series. But I actually have another bet, uh, not with the Rangers, but the Pacific Division winner. I mean, the Flames. You're talking them up. They're only three points ahead of the Knights. The Knights just getting back Eichel. I know he's going to shake off some rust, but there's not going to be a better pickup at the deadline. Uh, unless, uh, you know, the unfathomable happens, which is Connor McDavid, you know, gets shipped somewhere. But I don't think he's just too big of a player to get traded midseason. So I love the Knights right now. I believe it's at uh, plus 185 on FanDuel to win the Pacific Division. Only three points behind the Flames. Then with Eichel, uh, I don't see how they lose that division. Well, what Hench said about the Avs, though, it it probably renders my Flames or your Knights love moot uh, if, if they do wind up with Giroux. And you drop him into under uh, that roster, that the Avs become such a juggernaut that we'll see you in the final, and we'll see who who um, gets uh, gets to play them. There, that, that, it's going to be great. The NHL playoffs once again. I can't wait for the Eastern Conference uh, NBA playoffs I, as well. Speaking of hockey, it was so funny last night because I was like, I'm like, there's no, I can't think of any other any other precedent where I'm like, oh, here I am. Uh, watching my once every four years women's hockey game where I like literally like, like clockwork, I'm going to watch this game. It's always going to be in perpetuity between these two teams for the gold, you know? And I'm like, and, and, and I'm like, Oh man, why is the U S power play struggling? I'm like, I don't fucking know anybody on this team. I haven't, I haven't checked in since uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux uh, shootout goal. Um, but, uh, it, it, it just did occur to me that like, I'm, I'm of course I'm going to watch the gold medal game, but I'm going to know, I'm going to know nothing about anything. Well, I was like watching the, the men's hockey too. Who, who knew any of those guys? I mean, uh, how many Daniel Winnicks can you put out on the ice at any one time? Um, we fixed and yet, the- and yet it would take us seven minutes to name all 20 players on the 1980 U S Olympic hockey team. I think that's probably about right between that between us coming us. up on the anniversary of the no uh, of, of the greatest uh, the greatest event of our lives. Still, um, we fixed the the NFL uh, Pro Bowl a couple of weeks ago or fifteen years ago, either way. And um, my fix that I came up with a few years ago for the NBA All Star Game, which is also just a silly exhibition where nobody plays defense, one on one tournament. Wouldn't this be great? Who would win it, Hench? And I think because given the evidence of Kareem versus Dr. J, they had that one-on-one pay-per-view event. You can dig it up on YouTube if you don't believe me. And Kareem just annihilates Dr. J, just backs him down and just keeps laying it in. And so you'd have to have two divisions. You'd have to go like 6'10 and above and 6'9 and under. Who would win? Well, it's funny uh, that that you chose those heights because I was thinking about LeBron and Durant before you put the height limitations on it. So well, we could mess with it if you want to would separate that. Well, let's just do it like this. LeBron wins, uh, beat, kills the short guys. Like you can't you think so. He yeah. still would be number one. And, and, you don't and, think and, Luca oh would God, win that? You saw the fourth quarter last night against the jazz. They, he couldn't stop him. He's dunking on them and draining threes. He was incredible. Um, 
And then ab- above 6'10", uh, Durant, you know, would just – you'd have to – you would have to come out and check him. And and the problem when you come out on a shooter like that is how much space you give him to operate. So you're basically choosing a three or a dunk, with, you know, with Durant, especially if Durant's going against guys that height. So those two advance out of their separate height tournaments. And then, and then I would take Durant against LeBron. No, no, no. We always, see, look at how great this is, NBA. I hope you're listening to me, Silver. This is the best. The first rounds, just to make sure we get it. Harden v. KD. That's it. We watch that and we swoon. And I might take Luca at this point, or I'm trying to think of who else. Spaghetti throw in anybody. Well, I'm forgetting. I also think MB. John Morant. John Morant's interesting. Jokic is interesting. I just think if you're not if you're not physically certain, I think Embiid, right? Embiid would back. I think he could. I think Embiid might be able to beat um, KD. I think he. I, I think he could just muscle him and push him around a little bit. It would be fun. Sag. You could sag on Embiid in a way you couldn't sag on Durant. True. You want him to shoot threes. I mean, even though he's he's stroking it pretty well this year. Um, all right. Well, the other the other reason this won't happen, of course, is Somebody gets hurt in a one-on-one tournament. What do you mean somebody gets hurt? They, they play the other cockamamie thing. What's the difference with this? You would literally have to try harder in a one-on-one tournament because of the pride factor than just the whatever that mirage is. I, I can't – it has got to be the most unwatchable non-sporting event. The the dunk layup line, and then they go, hey, we're going to try now. And it's like, really? You're down 57 who cares? All right, let's stop right there. End the sports week here and now. And then we'll have a fresh episode of uh, of Hot Sports Talk for you on Monday with Hench. And, uh, and then we're going to have a best of later in the week for you as we put our feet up a little bit and celebrate. But we will have good hot sports talk, like I say, for you to start next week. And we appreciate you hanging with us. This week and all through football season, fear not. We got you covered all the way through NHL, NBA, March Madness and beyond. Um, And bet along with us, fade us however you do. Just make sure you go fanduel.com slash minus three and uh, follow along all the good stuff at the Extra Points Network from against all odds to lemon pepper parlay to Megan Fun of Sports to waiver wire and beyond good times coming for you all through the calendar year 2022 is free agency and the draft get going and like i say all those other sports can't wait for it and uh, appreciate you hanging with us for it all and until next week thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven